Hello and welcome to the Fitness for Sport podcast by Athletic Strength UK. This is your host, Connor Stewart. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Fitness for Sport podcast. Now today's episode is all about partial reps, gym bros and really going to town on some of the gym myths that are around and some of the general bad practices that occur in the gym which you might get caught doing or you might get the wrong idea about. Now the first subject that I want to talk about in today's episode is the influence of social media over the gym environment. Now social media is great for many things, it's good for connecting with your friends, it's good for seeing what everyone's up to in the world and keeping up with all the latest this and that but where it falls down in my opinion and where it is really lacking is its influence over everyone's thoughts, feelings and behaviours. Especially when it comes to the gym and how everyone acts in the gym, how everyone feels about the gym and what they think. Specifically, I'm talking about how people expect you to exercise, how people expect you to train. People nowadays expect everything to be done over full range of motion potential over range of motion as well and it's founded in not necessarily bad science or bad training you know for the most part you should always train through a full range of motion but it's the expectation that it should happen every time and without fail you should be squatting ass to grass no matter if you're if you've got really long legs or short legs or if you're femurs and tibias are at different ratios, all these different factors influence how you can squat. Now I'm just using this as an example because it's, I guess it's the most well-known one that people will have. Everyone can squat for the most part and if you've been going to the gym for many years it's likely that you'll follow all sorts of different gym social media pages. Now when it comes to squatting like i said before there are so many different factors limb length femur length tibial length the ratio between the two the depth of your hip socket the um, direction of your hip socket as well all of these things have a factor in how you squat so it's all well and good someone who is looking at your exercises or is looking at what you're doing to tell you to get lower when they have no information of who you are or what your requirements are for training. I think these people often mean well and I'm you know I'm not having a dig and saying that all these people are bad. These people obviously mean well and they will want you to get the best out of your training. It's just often people don't have such an in-depth understanding of exercising training adaption as to what they think they do and this brings us really to the crux of what this episode is about and it's about using specific joint angles and getting really deep down into what your sporting actions are that you need to improve and then going from there so if we continue with a squat movement pattern and put that into sport 
let's say sprinting, sprinting doesn't happen through a quote-unquote full range of motion. It doesn't happen through an arse-to-grass style of uh, movement. It happens through a very specific joint range. There is not... There's no full flexion of the hip, and but there is close to full extension of the hip, and there is all sorts of things you can look at online as to what these specific joint angles are and where you could be training them. And really working at these angles can have a huge impact in your training outcomes. Now, I am not saying for one second that these training methods and exercises should be re replacing all of your other types of training. It's absolutely not like that. It's just, if you view it as an analogy of the cake, you've got to bake the cake with certain ingredients. You've got to put them in, in a certain order. You've got to bake it for a certain amount of time. And then the icing and the sprinkles can go on. And, then you, and so using partial ranges of motion and specific joint angles it can that's like the icing and the sprinkles the base is the cake itself and that is things like your squat your deadlift your lateral lunges your fundamental movements but then what really can make it a really good cake or a really good training program is those little details at the end specific joint angle, specific muscle action and velocity of contraction, those three make up some of the criteria for training specificity. And as you progress in your training, you are gonna to want to look to get to quote unquote, more specific training methods. Now, as you start off in the gym, it's gonna be very general and then really you're not gonna be getting to the quote-unquote really specific stuff until you are three, four, five years maybe into a consistent strength and conditioning program. And then after that, you can get more and more specific and, and a little less general. Now, the reason why partial rep ranges and partial ranges of motion work so well is because it directly mimics the joint angles and the ranges of motion that you will experience in competition. So for example, if you can replicate the hip angle, knee angle and ankle angle at say takeoff for a sprint and you can maximally push some weight with it, you, you are directly training number one, that movement pattern Number two, those joint angles, joint ranges of motion, and that specific quality is going to be, your brain is going to recognize that, and it's going to be able to then transfer that to the exercise. Now, I'm not saying that if you go in the gym and you go measure all of your joint angles, push loads of weight around as fast as you can, it's going to automatically go into your sport or your the specific action that you're trying to improve because there might need to be a bit of a bridge and that bridge can come through whether it be technical training tactical training other variations 
however it might come around you might need that bridge but certainly starting off with that specific joint angle in the gym because it's a new stimulus you're going to get a lot of benefit out of it so that sort of covers the whole social media the use of partial repetitions ultimately don't worry about what other people think of you because like i said earlier before they don't know your situation they don't know your circumstances all they're looking at is they're looking at you through their specific lens they're looking at you through whatever tint that they might have on life and training and their situation and really it's not got anything to do with you so don't listen to the haters don't listen to all the naysayers you just do you and train with your program and improve yourself so let's get on to a really tasty subject which is gym myths i want to bust open some gym myths i want to open some cans of worms and throw a cat amongst the proverbial pigeons with this one so remember when i talk about these i'm specifically talking about you improving in your sport a lot of what i'm going to say can have benefits for both sport and bodybuilding but the myths i'm going to bust are the highly specific bodybuilding or powerlifting motifs that if you focus on these they're going to really hold you back in your sport by the way i don't know if you can hear this rain but it is really coming down at the moment so i apologize if you're hearing this on the microphone uh, but unfortunately i don't have power of the weather at the moment although i'm looking to uh change that so the first gym myth that i want to bust is that slow contractions are best now slow contractions so going slow on the eccentric lowering portion of the movement and going slow on the concentric shortening portion of the movement if you are looking to build muscle and you are looking to improve the eccentric strength of your muscle maybe that is something that a physio has recommended that you do using slow contractions are really good for both of those things hypertrophy eccentric strength uh, tendon stiffness they have loads of benefits but going slow on the concentric doesn't have the same benefit because when you are performing maximally in your sport you need to be sprinting as fast as you can throwing as hard as you can passing as fast as you can and as accurately as possible and these things happen with maximal velocity of the shortening action or the concentric action the latest research has definitely shown that using fast concentric actions help things like change of direction agility sprint speed whereas using the slower concentric actions doesn't have the same benefit that's because you can't stimulate your type 2 fibers when you are contracting slowly you can't stimulate each uh, motor unit your central nervous system maximally when you're uh, exercising at a slower pace 
and ultimately sport is played at that maximal level it's played at a level where your central nervous system and your motor units are constantly firing as hard and as fast as they can because you need to make that pass make that tackle get to that player get in that position and it's got to happen quickly so therefore your central nervous system has to work hard that's why after a game you and after the adrenaline dies down, you just feel absolutely dead to the world because your central nervous system just has nothing left to give. And that's also why it can take two, three days to properly recover after a really intense match or competition, depending on sort of what sport you play, because your central nervous system is so fatigued. And people don't recognize this, and it's something that I would really want other people to recognize and make it accountable to them. So that is myth number one, busted open, can of worms everywhere. The second myth is always doing high volume. So this comes, it's links back to this whole social media thing where you'll see a fitness influencer, YouTuber or whatever, they're constantly doing high volume, they're constantly doing chest day, arm day, back day, you know, 10 different exercises, multiple sets with high repetitions. And if you're a bloke, you're looking at everyone who's got the big muscles. If you're a girl, you're looking at everyone who's got like the big bums. And it's just not a good way to go about your training. Training frequency will trump training volume every single time. And unless you are an IFBB pro bodybuilder looking to build as much muscle mass as possible with the help of some helpful pharmaceuticals, by the way, because even you can do all the volume you want, but you're not going to look like the people who you want to look like without some chemical help. Overdoing your training volume is a surefire way to blunt your adaptions, to make yourself slower in competition and to just miss your peak because it comes, it links back to point number one about the central nervous system and slow contractions. If you want good adaptions, you need good quality training and your central nervous system can't deal with high volume outputs. Your central nervous system deals with short volume outputs with high intensity work. If you are constantly doing high volume all the time and you're never stressing your central nervous system, when it comes to your central nervous system performing, it's not going to be able to get there it's really going to struggle and that's when you're going to have issues in game it could potentially increase your injury risk as well so performing high volume all the time is really not conducive to a good training program there the one caveat to this is when you are new to the gym and new to strength and conditioning When you are new to the gym, you really want to ingrain good movement patterns. So you want to be able to squat really well. You want to be able to deadlift and hip hinge really well, lunge really well, press up, pull up, do all of these things really well. And the only thing that's going to be able to get you there 
is doing high volume, low intensity work. The length that you do this high volume, low intensity work for, it's going to differ from person to person and it's you're going to have to make a decision as to when you think you're competent and it's going to take some honesty on your part and some reflection. I would highly recommend recording your reps, recording your sets over time and looking at how they are either improving or not improving because until you can look at your say squat reps, press up reps, RDL reps and say yes I am 90-95% happy with what I'm seeing there, we can move on. Hopefully you are a subscriber to the emails that I send out, if you're not click the link in the show notes but you will know if you read my emails that you that looking for perfection is a lost cause. You will never really truly get there and you're going to waste a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to do it. So when you are 90 to 95% happy with what you are seeing in your movement patterns, then you can move on. Then you can look at adding some intensity, some density, some variation. Obviously, if you are experienced in the gym and you've been going for three, four, five, six years plus, then you will know where you are at. And again, this might take a bit of honesty as well because even someone like myself, I know that my squatting movement pattern isn't particularly efficient and I need to improve it. So having that honesty with yourself as to where you need to go and what you need to do. So when you are experienced it's always good to go back to volume and try and improve things rather than just adding so much intensity that you're going to default into bad movement patterns and compensations you always want to have a movement first approach with what you are doing myth number two busted let's go on to number three focusing on the big three the barbell back squat the deadlift and the bench press. These are great foundational movements, do not get me wrong. Improving your strength in these three exercises can be highly, highly beneficial to transferring to sport performance as well as your life and improving your quality of life as well. But focusing on these three all the time incessantly is really going to limit what you are doing unless you are either a power lifter or an Olympic lifter, in which case you are obviously going to focus on those three things all the time. But sport is so complex now, so many variations. It's got multi-directional movement, it's got decision making, it's got jumping, landing, twisting, and you won't be able to train these things just by focusing on the squat, the deadlift, and the bench press. You need to include these multi-directional movements, you need to include these plyometrics and everything else that you're going to experience a competition in your program. Even if you are new to the gym, focusing on just the squat, the bench and the deadlift is going to leave you shortchanged and it's really going to leave you wanting for something else in your sport performance. When you are new to the gym, lateral lunges, landing mechanics, things like that are so important to get 
right first time that focusing on the squat, the bench and the deadlift might feel good, it might look good on your social media, you might get a lot of kudos from all of your friends, but when it comes to game day and when it really comes to performing properly, you are, you're not going to be there I'm afraid, so you need to vary your training. Now the last one that I'm going to talk about today is training until you puke. Training until you puke is probably the most ridiculous thing I see. It's the thing that I cannot stand about regular gym PTs. When I see a client dry heaving into a bin or even being sick into a bin, I want to go up and I want to slap that PT around the face because all they are doing is making their client fatigued they're not helping them in any sort of way. In fact, everything they're doing in that situation is just going to make things worse. The client is going to absolutely hate going to the gym because they're going to associate it with being sick, being uncomfortable, being sore for about four days, and they are just not going to want to do it, and that is not healthy. Physiological-wise, you will be so fatigued from that session that any sort of benefit you're going to have, whether that's from a nervous system standpoint or from a muscular standpoint it's just it's not going to be there you're going to absolutely lose it because the next point in time where you can effectively train is going to be so far ahead you're going to miss that window of adaption now if you are interested in that look at the general adaptation syndrome that will tell you all you need to know about this subject but training until you puke should be avoided at all cost no matter whether you are an elite athlete at the absolute highest level or you are a 16 year old trying to get into the gym for the first time and everyone in between if you train until you puke and if you pay someone to train you until you puke you are wasting your money you need to have a word with them and have a word with yourselves the last last thing i want to talk about today is everyone having an opinion now with sports with training with gym there is now more than ever there is a focus on scientific research and doing good scientific training and that is brilliant i genuinely genuinely i think that is really good everyone should be informed as to what they're doing however reading one scientific paper and then going off of that in everything you do and swearing by it number one it's bad science and number two it does not make you an expert and reading just the abstract of an article is the most basic mistake that you can make you need to be reading the whole thing if you if you can't read the whole thing if it doesn't make sense at least read the introduction the results and the discussion reading the abstract is like window shopping you walk past a shop you look in their window and you see all of these nice things you see the nice watches you see the nice clothes you see the nice shoes and you go this shop is really nice i really like this shop and then walk away without ever walking in there in the first place but as soon as you step into the shop you find out that it smells, the sales assistants are rude and unhelpful, 
the manager just doesn't care and actually what you saw in the stand in the window sorry was the only thing they have in the shop well it's not your favorite shop anymore is it and it's the same thing with reading research if you just read the abstract you're just window shopping reading the paper you actually get to go into the shop and see if you like it for yourself one of the common false beliefs that get thrown at me is oh i have to pay to get the research articles and i can't do that if you go to www.researchgate.com i believe you can get a lot of research articles for free from any well-known published author in the field and if you find whoever wrote a paper that you want to read on Twitter and you message them or on whatever platform saying I really like your work I'm really interested more in this and this subject would you be able to send me over a copy of your transcript and more than likely they're going to say yes some people might say no but using the excuse that you have to pay to get the research so you can't read it it's just an absolute nothing burger and you need to have a real word with yourself about that because it's just not true if i can get all the research that i need then you can get it too i haven't got any special memberships i'm not affiliated with anybody in particular i'm not at university anymore but I can still get all the research that I need and I can still follow it and that means so can you. So it's all well and good having an opinion and being informed but you need to be informed with a balance from the right places doing the right scientific practices in the first place and then that way you can have a proper discussion about it. And if you come across anyone who absolutely swears blind that this is the correct way to train, this is the right way to do this or that because they read one article, just walk away. Just honestly, just walk away because you have no hope in trying to, number one, change their minds, number two, making them see sense, and number three, making them actually change their habits. All you're going to do is waste your breath and frankly, you've got better things to do than that. So just walk away. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for all the feedback that you've all given as well. Thank you for the, all the reviews and everything else in between. I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, you are having a great day and you're having a great time and I shall catch you next time. That's it for another episode of the Fitness for Sport podcast. Thank you very much for listening. This is the part where I tell you to go and sign up to the mailing list. Now, if you want free training advice and guidance every day, then make sure you click the description in the show notes or you go to yes.athleticstrengthuk.co.uk forward slash sign underscore up and you will get a new email in your inbox every Monday to Friday with free training advice, free guidance from everything from weight training, power training, speed training to mental health and all the rest. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to sign up. Click the link in the show notes and I shall see you next time.